Hey there, this is relationship coach Roy Biancolana, a recent guest on the very podcast that you are about to listen to. Well, get ready and buckle your seats because Aubrey is about to take you on the road to rediscovery with another great episode. Sit back and enjoy. Our lives are laid out on a road of bumps, turns, struggles, and more. How do we respond? How do we endure adversity for learning and growth? I'm Aubrey Johnson, and we'll explore these questions and more on The Roads Rediscovery. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Roads Rediscovery. I'm your host, Aubrey Johnson. The Road to Rediscovery is about reflecting on the life lessons that life throws at us, right? To reflect and grow, and then, of course, uplift others, pay it forward, and help others who are struggling through dark times. Now, as you know, on the Road to Rediscovery, we are very passionate about delivering quality content that is of value to you and your personal growth. If you like what you hear, please visit roadsrediscovery.com slash donate. That's road, the number two, rediscovery.com slash donate. We'll give you a shout out in a future episode. And as always, there is no obligation. We are truly, truly grateful for your listenership. My special guest is an accomplished writer, motivational speaker, philanthropist, and more. Her journey is one of racial segregation, violence, struggle, but with strong faith and inspiration. Born the youngest of five children in South Africa, in the midst of apartheid, she moved to New Zealand at age 22, then later to Australia. In her reflection, she's found inner strength and discovered her true purpose. We often hear examples of how the COVID pandemic has brought out the best in people, right? Well, in just 10 days during lockdown, she wrote her first book, Don't Just Fly, Soar, a book chronicling her amazing journey through pain, discovery, and immense inspiration. Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Kelly Markey to the show. Hello, Kelly. Welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here. Hi, Aubrey. It's great to be here. And your wonderful listeners, I'm looking forward to unpacking this journey with you. Oh, thank you so much. Likewise, we are very, very looking forward to this great conversation. So, uh, Kelly, if we can first kind of frame the picture, so to speak, for the listeners, um, can we start by giving the listeners a glimpse of your life growing up in South Africa? Yes, sure. So um, I guess we all know South Africa is the guru for apartheid. I was born sixth generation born in South Africa. My forefathers hailed from India, North India. I grew up in a segregated community. So I lived in a community that was predominantly demographic Indian, South African. That's where I went to school. That's where I lived in the local community, did my shopping. Everything mm -hmm. was just my demographic. So I wasn't really exposed to any other demographic in the everyday life mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, unless it was outside the norm. I see. I see. So um, your first uh, encounter, I guess, of injustice or knowing that something just quite wasn't right, um, was, was it something um, that you've 
seen um, on television growing up, or was it around um, the the perimeter or outskirts of uh, your community, or was it um, uh, certain things that happened to friends and and people people you know? Um, how, yes. how did you inter- encounter that 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 struggle of uh, violence? Yes, sure. So uh, I think quite early in my life, I discerned that something was not quite right mm-hmm. uh, at primary school level, because mm-hmm. um, we had South Africa had lots of sanctions imposed on the country in terms of you know um, export and sports and all of that, but as a primary school child, you don't really equate what's going on. And slowly the color came to me that, hey, you know, why is this happening in our country and what's not, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, right. So as I grew, I learned to unravel and uh, understand that. And in my book, I write about my experience growing up uh, Mm -hmm. again, very young and we went to a beach. Uh, I, I come from a huge family, you know, my mom and dad and their siblings. It mm-hmm. makes for a small army with my cousins and we decided to have a um, day at the beach. And uh, we drove about 200 k's from home to go to uh, what's known as a renowned tourist spot only mm-hmm. to get there and there were boards advertised no Indians and dogs allowed. Oh my. And yeah, we were slayed because, you know, yeah. as kids, we traveled so far, we had our picnic baskets and we're looking forward to, you know, just being in, at the beach and in the water. Yeah. And then we looked at the local parks and we saw the same boards. So um, I've actually included some of that in my book, which was the first time um, when I I grasped how different our world is compared to the rest of the world because I hadn't traveled at that point. Right. The only external exposure I had was the television. And then I knew something was grossly wrong. Mm. And and then I started to, you know, pay more attention from there. I see. I see. And um, like the example you gave of going to the beach, you know, with uh, your cousins and other relatives and, you know, I mean, you know, they're, they're children as well. Right. And um, I mean, that's like having like dreams and excitement just shattered, you know, to, 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 to arrive there and then see that because of the color of your skin, you're not allowed. And, 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 and not all children understand that at that time. It sounds like you, you did and, and you started to, you know, you had a sense for that. But um, that had to be just heartbreaking for, um, for the other children there, especially those younger than you, I'd imagine. Absolutely, because my yeah. younger cousin was with me and she couldn't grasp exactly what was going on. And mm-hmm. um, I've recorded this in my book and she said to me, what's going on? Did they buy the beach? And I was like, <laughs> no, no one's bought the beach. Mm-hmm. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, I couldn't really explain it to her, but... Mm-hmm. I guess eventually the message got through because um, it, it's heartbreaking to mm-hmm. be part of that. But I guess when you grow up in a country thinking that's normal, mm-hmm. you get it gets normalized, but it's not really normalized because no. then I grew up and I worked in my first corporate job in South Africa as well. 
and I discovered the segregation in that uh, facet as well. And then I moved to New Zealand and Australia and I had to, you know, unravel the, the um, stereotypes and the mindset that I've come from and it was a different world and then it had its own challenge as well. So I unpack some of that in my book as well in, in terms of, you know, growing up in a certain way and um, having, uh, I guess, stigma attached to you. And then you go into another country where people say, you know, this is a cosmopolitan melting pot and we right. treat everyone right. Uh, right. And and I had to come, you know, I worked as a corporate professional, come around the, the board table and to be seen as an equal, but I had this, uh, inhibition because I knew I wasn't equal mm -hmm. and I knew how I was always suppressed and treated so um, it took some work and then I discovered the real story that no I'm not really uh, what can I say equal because even though they say in the developed world that it's a fair shake it's not really a fair shake you do get judged yeah, and I, 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 I'm of the belief that that happens um, every, pretty much everywhere you go, right? And uh, um, but uh, I would, I could, I, I can't even begin to imagine Kelly the adjustment or the shift that you had to go through in the mindset and stigma that you had growing up all those years in South Africa. And then in New Zealand, sure, there was a melting pot, you know, and sure, there was, I guess, no segregation or little or no segregation in New Zealand, right? I mean, you were able to go to restaurants in different places, uh, yes. but, but, but there is, there is a preconceived notions, right? And, and, and I guess judgments that people make of others based on the color of their skin, especially if they're not, I guess, culturally from that, that area. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, if I may, uh, Aubrey, take it a mm -hmm. little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. I think humanity has a mindset and they get conditioned a certain way based on their values, their upbringing, what yeah. their grandparents or parents have instilled in them. Mm -hmm, and you see mm -hmm. that carried forward and nobody really stops to ponder if this is right. You know, one of my other experience was working in New Zealand and I worked in, in a pharmacy. So obviously dispensing medication. And I did that to the entire community, the local community. And yeah. one day um, we had, so um, the, the community pharmacy is essentially two parts. It's the um, over-the-counter mm -hmm. section and then the dispensary section. So we have different staff that right. normally work in different areas. And this was peak hour and it was lunchtime. So the assistant that worked in the shop area took the prescription and handed it to me to dispense. And I had this prescription dispensed and ready Everyone else was on lunch break and this woman walks in to come and collect her medication. Mm -hmm. So um, I knew who she was because I'd seen her before and I dispensed her medication. So I proceeded to go towards the shop counter to um, exchange um, money and give her the prescription, but also counsel her on how to take the medication. Right. 
and she just flung the medication at me. I also talk about this in my book. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And some of it was glass bottles. It was just shattered. And oh, my I goodness. was like, I was broken in shock. Like I, this was the last thing I expected. And her right. response was, I do not want to be served by a black person. Oh, my. And she yelled that at me. And, and I was like the only person there. And everyone was uh, at the back people came running yeah. and they were in shock and and my manager you know could see me shaking and he's like you know just go to the back take your lunch break relax and yeah. i'll handle this and everyone mm. came to the back and they were like hugging me and they were like are you okay oh wow and for the, for the first time in my life growing up in south africa in a apartheid regime i had to experience that in the corporate world because right um in, in South Africa, as I said, we lived in segregated communities. So mm -hmm. it's your own community and you don't really have people of that mindset. And here, when I thought I was in a developed free world, I had that and I didn't see it coming. So I had no way of handling it. But I soon discerned that you can't shut discrimination out in international borders. It lives everywhere. We Everywhere. have to transform minds. Yeah, we definitely need to transform minds. And 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 in addition to transforming minds, it's um, what I like to call um, stop the cycle or stop the pattern, right? Um, generation after generation after generation, you know, of, of racism and bigotry and hatred um, from hundred years ago, 200 years ago. And if it's passed on from parent to child, to child, to child, to child, from generation after generation, you know, it's, it's, it's perpetual. I mean, it'll, it'll never go away. It'll never end. And, and we have to stop that crazy cycle. Right. And, and find ways to, you know, just say, nope, it ends right here. You know, the hate ends right here. Uh, it's just like, um, if there's a cycle or of generations who, you know, um, uh, none of the children have went to the university, you know, um, someone has an opportunity to stop that cycle and be the first one to attend university, um, you know, and that that's that's one example, I guess, of stopping the cycle and and breaking the pattern, right, in a good way, and uh, and 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 I think hopefully over time that leads to transformation, but everyone has to play a part. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely, uh, absolutely. It, it, we have to work in concert with each other. Mm -hmm. And I highlight so many personal experience in my book. Yes. Also, I, I give voice to, you know, um, things that I have experienced, but also other people and, mm -hmm. and where humanity could go. I guess, you know, this, this is my book. And I'd like to, if we can, I'll read a, a little bit, uh, because it just goes with with the theme we're discussing at the moment. You know, yes. everyone that has read this um, normally contact me with taglines and they're like, wow, this line has spoken to me. I've literally had over 2000 taglines sent my way. And my God, this is one of my favorites. Our behavior is styled, um, that is a style that continues to change as we perpetually add creativity in modest and sometimes prominent portions. Mm -hmm. If you analyze your behavior, 
you can easily become aware of your creativity. For instance, when I cook a curry, I conjure it up with ease, without real deliberation. However, sometimes I may run out of a key ingredient like coconut cream, and I think on my feet and add normal fresh cream and lime juice instead. This innovative fusion is Mm -hmm. minor nonetheless. The new creation is sensational and I have often gained revered compliments. This illustration demonstrates that I can behave creatively and rack up positive accolade. Then so can the rest of the universe. And we can do this with issues that are more dramatic than culinary delights. Creativity sparks in so many profound ways. We wear hair, apparel, smiles that are defined by exclusive market brands. Yet our heart and character are the most vital branding tools. The dawn of a new humanity depends on your awakening to create a better and renewed universe. You must be the change you wish to see in the world. A hundred percent. That is very, very profound. And uh, I love the part where you mentioned about the, uh, the, the outward labeling of brands, you know, um, while we seek a lot of value in that, um, there's the truest value of brand is, you know, what's, what's, what's in our hearts, what's, you know, what, the, the way we treat other people, you know, th- that's the true brand. And um, absolutely, yeah, this, I mean, that's absolutely tremendous. And, and there's a few things about your book. I wanted to, I wanted to, to, to ask you as, as we uh, have this conversation, Kelly. Um, uh, one thing was, I just, I just needed to know, you know, throughout growing up, you know, in segregation, violence, pain, and, 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 and those sorts of things. And, 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 in the the event where the lady at the pharmacy threw the medicine back at you, right? I mean, you went to university and studied just like everyone else, you know, um, regardless of color or culture or background or ethnicity, and and and, and to have this happen to you, you know, um, what has helped you rise above and stay above? self-doubt and inadequacy that people may tend to have about themselves because they're being oppressed in a certain way. Absolutely. Look, when I have moved from South Africa and being overseas, it felt like a vortex, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Some days I could not find fine, even with the binoculars. So mm-hmm. it's it's a trudge. Yes. And I had to find my own mojo as you know some days I was bleeding uh, so profusely that I felt I wouldn't see the sunshine for the next day and Mm -hmm. I guess in the middle of this vortex God found me and that's what has sustained me is even while I was in the valley I had to Mm -hmm. get up and say you know God spoke to me and said you know I have better things even unraveling this book I've, I've gone through not just, you know, living through racial discrimination. Right. I was held at gunpoint in South Africa. I've gone through infertility, endometriosis, miscarriage, divorce. Oh, my goodness. The whole gamut and, you yeah. know, retrenchment, living in a foreign country. I've, mm-hmm. 
come out on the other side because each time God sustained me. And I look back, I had no desire to write a book because who wants to be an open book literally to humanity? Right. Um, but during lockdown, God compelled me because people were reaching out to me. I didn't have a book at that point. And for uh, some reason, because of the mayhem of the pandemic, people were just from around the globe. I'm well-traveled and I have networks all over the globe. We're reaching out to, uh, I guess, tap into resilience, motivation or inspiration because people had no idea what happened when the apple cart toppled and they just wanted to know how they could, you know, bounce back. And then I decided, wow, I've got all this lived experience and people need to glean from it. And God spoke to me and said, you know, everything that you've gone through is for a reason and it's to help people. So I thought, okay, let me just grab my laptop and start sharing my lessons gleaned. And that's how the book was born. It was, you know, what I lived. And so I could put it to paper and it's, it's, it's really relatable and people from all over the world read it and they're like, wow, I can't put this down. People are reading it for the third and fourth time. So it's about being practical. And for me, when I was going through a hard time, I found that sometimes I would get, you know, um, the well-meaning person that's trying to help me, but it was just a Band-Aid when I was bleeding. Right. So what I, what I tried to do is actually be real in terms of the pain when you're going through infertility or mm -hmm. a miscarriage. It's real. And mm. I tried to speak from my core so I could uh, relate to people who are in the same journey. I got you. I see. And 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 there's one operative word or maybe two operative words that you just mentioned that I'd love for us to hone in on a little more, Kelly, and that's be real, right? Um, when it comes to hardships such as a miscarriage, um, you know, to 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 be real, um it, it's it's tremendously difficult to do, I would imagine, because of just the devastation of of the event itself, right? Uh, sure, time heals all wounds, but this is a true devastation for something like this to happen, or divorce, or bankruptcy. You know, I mean, it's these are these are all devastations. So, um, something you mentioned when it comes to uh, an important activity or exercise that one must do in your book is to uncover their truth, uncover your truth, right? And so. Um, when you when when you talk about someone uncovering their truth, I'm thinking that could involve taking a hard look in the mirror in terms of choices we made, mistakes that we've made, and even the things that we did right, you know, to help us learn what our truth is. Um, is 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 being real part of discovering what our truth is, uh, as you stated in, in the book? Absolutely. I think you are on the right track. Uh, definitely on the road to re <laughs> rediscovery, <laughs> apt name. Um, so my book has 25 self-help tools. And, okay. you know, we, we, we see so much of this marketed. And I guess the distinction is the fact that I've lived it. And yes. I've tried 
to to bring it to people where you actually peel off the layers and hone in on what you need to. So living your truth is not perpetually doing the same thing and expecting to get a different answer. Right. It's actually looking at it rationally and mm -hmm. analyzing. So some of my tools would walk you through this. Like, mm -hmm. what have I done? We're looking at the whole landscape in terms of the ecosystem. Like, for example, if you were having an issue, who's your network? Are you talking to your wife, to um, someone at university, to your church, to hospital, depending on, you know, the caliber of the issue? Mm -hmm. Look at that, hone in on the time you spend with each of these uh, core people in your network. And we equate, you know, if you're talking to a professional um, clinician, how much their time uh, is worth in terms of time and monetary value. And then if you don't get the lesson, just for hypothetically speaking, we, we're trying to manage you um, from drinking and driving. And you spend 20 hours talking to your network and then next week you're doing it again. Mm -hmm. So we hone in on the people, the time, the energy, the money. And next week, if you do the same thing, how much of that? So people can see a clear pattern. And when you really start to get real with yourself, when you actually look at the pattern and you realize there's a pattern and how I'm going to address this pattern. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, you know, like you said, being real, discovering your truth, you see this pattern, and then you can start to rationalize how to address the pattern. And I think at some point down the line, that should, um, your, your purpose should be revealed to you, I, I would imagine. And, and so um, just so the listeners can understand what the true meaning of purpose is, okay? I know it's quite easy for someone to confuse someone's job as, you know, that's my purpose, or say a role that they have, they're the caregiver, or they are the homemaker, or they are the provider, um, and, you know, as, as their purpose. Um, can you share for the listeners or explain um, what is it, what makes purpose different from a job or a role? Yeah, absolutely, sure. So, you know, everyday uh, tasks, that's, I guess, you know, we're just trying to hone in on life and get mm -hmm. things done and move from A to B, which is where I was at, you know, focused on my corporate job, just uh, getting an income, uh, paying my mortgage, traveling, right. whatever. Right. right. My purpose, I tapped into what I really want. I guess I got real when the pandemic hit and we didn't know whether we're all going to be part of the stats. And I was like, wow, I could die the next day or, you know, in the next week. Yeah. What do you want to, I want to be remembered for? So mm -hmm. what legacy you want to leave behind? And I was right. like, I, I know I've lived through a lot. I've got these lessons learned, but ultimately what I want to do is see global transformation. And I want to see people change in a positive way and not bashing them to say, hey, this is the right way, walk in this path. Getting them to a place where they realize how they need to think critically. 
So part of my journey in the book is writing that. And I discovered my purpose and my passion was mm. to, to do that. So finding mm. purpose is finding what makes sense for you, discovering what your talents are, and you would do that with ease. You get up in the morning and you feel invigorated because it's what you want to do. It's not weighing down on your shoulder. It's right. you want to see the change. Understood. Understood. And um, I guess to kind of dovetail on being real and finding your truth and learning what your purpose is, um, there's a lot of, it, it sounds like self-awareness has played a major role in your life's journey. And uh, Kelly, I'd like to ask you, um, I think you mentioned in part of your book, um, discovering your blind spots. Um, how, 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 what is discovering the blind spots and what are those blind spots and how can we discover them? Now, I, I don't, I don't want to disclose or give up everything in, in the book, obviously, yeah. but these are profound anecdotes. I think that, you know, that, that appeal to, 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 to listeners that, that this book contains. Absolutely. I think um, taking people on a journey is a great thing because sometimes they don't realize that they are carved out and molded in a certain way right. and been that way since, you know, um, Adam. Mm -hmm. So that was one part of the journey. And yeah, discovering your, your blind spot. Absolutely. Um, I saw, you know, merit in that for me because we get conditioned in our own ways, yes. in our own culture in you know what we are exposed to mm -hmm. and the whole arena is so big the ecosystem is so big and for me i've worked in five different countries i've traveled to over 200 um, cities around the world and i know if i hadn't done that my mindset would have still been the same as the one i had when i was living in south africa what mm -hmm. has opened the space is the array of experiences and mm -hmm. you know having different people um and and quite often i was brought you know um brought up in a in a way with certain values and i thought you know just put my blinkers on and just move that's the way and and people would say to me hey you know uh, what's wrong um and, you know, I could I could think of numerous examples where people challenged me, you know, uh, one one of it was, um, you know, I was brought up to never have a drink like alcohol. And right. every Friday when I was working in the corporate, everyone would get up and, you know, have a drink on Friday night. And it was like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and then we were like, uh, you know, the same, I don't have caffeine and we'd be on projects and they're like, how can you get through this project without caffeine? Right. And, and stay awake. Right. Know, <laughs> exactly. And, and, and those are the simple truths, but you know, there were other things. And then in my book, I invite readers to actually get real and invite someone from the network to have, you know, a, a cup of coffee or a drink right. or whatever, right. and sit down and get real with each other and be, um, I guess, open to people taking mm -hmm. off the layers, but being honest with you. And if I say something to you, I'm saying it because I love you and I want to see you enhance. I'm not saying it to be critical. So it's up to the individual whether they actually want to 
grow and whether they see merit in what's you know being laid on Understood. the table so I for see. myself i i've um i found myself here you know being away from my nucleus in a foreign land i attended every you know uh, group in church and social activity because i wanted to be the best version of myself mm-hmm. and i would attend all of this and yeah when when people gave me feedback when they did i would reflect on it and I'd be like how can I enhance myself how can I grow and and I was like oh I didn't realize that maybe you know yeah it's my blind spot or it gave me vision to get better so I would encourage Mm. anyone to do that you know open up your world to explore and let other people in to speak to you and you know a classic example is like I go to a um book club which is older women much older than me and they had a pattern of thinking a certain way and after they read my book they were like wow you know uh, we didn't realize that you know race racism and discrimination stood out you know that much because that's right. how we were raised. They said to me, that's how we were raised. That's what our parents told us. This is yeah. how you should, you know, think. And I was like, wow, I, I didn't continue the conversation because, you know, I just thought, wow, just by writing this book, it made me uh, provide the tool to people to reflect on their bi- blind spot. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, you know, it, it sounds to me as if self-awareness has played a major, major role in your journey, Um, not just in the reflections in writing the book, but also what you've done in your journey while living the life, right? You you have uh, done self-awareness types of things, you know, about, about where you are, how you're responding, what are some of the, the, the ways that, you know, you can improve and uh, what are some areas that, you know, are those blind spots? I think that takes a, a lot of self-awareness to, 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 to try to figure out what those blind spots are in, in, in one's life, you know? Yeah. So I, I guess being in this club with women that are 70, 80 and 90, and for mm. the first time they are getting the revelation of their blind spot yes. is mission accomplished. Oh, for sure. Without a (laughs) doubt. I mean, it's, 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 it's transforming lives and it's making people think, you know, and there may be some behavior change from people reading your book as well. Um, You know, reading what you've lived through and gone through and um, in, in without actually saying it word for word, just the act of reading your book calls them to action to reflect on their own path it sounds like absolutely that's that's the whole idea of it absolutely and Mm -hmm. and i think that's why it's resonating with so many people because they realize that they've been locked in a pattern and you know they need to transform the way they think yes they certainly do and uh you know I, i i i i was looking at pieces of your book and I was looking at some uh, um, some taglines that people have um, ha- have shared um, you know that has resonated with them 
um, a lot, a lot of input and a lot of, um, of great feedback from uh, the readers of this book um, to you with just profound life altering uh, anecdotes and, uh, and, 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 and just insights that, that you're sharing in your book so beautifully, you know, and there's one part that stood out to me, if you don't mind me uh, sharing uh, or reading. Um, Absolutely. Uh, I, I live for this moment. Aubrey, go for it. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Okay, great. So, so thank you, first of all, Kelly, for allowing me to read this to you. Um, after I read it to you, I would love if you can share um, or break down um, the rationale or the, the, the thinking at that time in your life as you were living what you wrote. Okay, so so here it is. So in your book, as uh, uh, you talk about as a child, right? Your teacher uh, telling the class uh, about the gruesome murder of two boys who you later learned were your first cousins. Uh, then taking that frightful, frightful walk home from school as students were still expected to do even after such a gruesome murder. And um, you became poignantly aware that you can only depend on, quote, you, yourself, and I. And then you say later on, you mention that your intrepid voyage with the progression of vast time has enabled you to glean that you don't have to be solely dependent on me, myself, and I. Can you walk us through that discovery that you've had uh, over over that path? Well, I I feel like I want to cry. Oh. Yeah, it it has touched. Yeah, you know, I think every every part of this book. That's what it is, Aubrey. It's mm -hmm. from my heart, and mm -hmm. when I wrote it, emotions came to the surface as well. And even right now, like when you read that, I feel like I want to cry because it was real. Yes, and. And I did, uh, I remember like, you know, the part of that, um, that chapter is talking about how my cousins were all in the schoolyard earlier. And then the next break, I didn't notice them. And I was wondering what happened and where did they all go? Something was peculiar. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, something was amiss when our teacher was late. And then he broke the news that these two boys were, you know, gruesomely murdered. Yeah. And I was in shock. And then I, at that young age realized that we're all born alone mm. and our journey, our road, no matter how hard it is, like my parents couldn't have been there for me at that time or anyone else, mm. even our school, you know, abandoned us. And I had to find the courage within myself because mm. I was petrified. You know, I don't want to give you give your listeners the gruesome details of how my cousins right. were murdered but we were shocked as kids and i literally was petrified to be outside of and course. We, were of course. we were petrified for decades mm -hmm. and this first walk after getting the news i realized that life is always going to be this journey no matter mm. how petrified you are you have to keep going. And I had to keep taking one step after the next till mm -hmm. I reached home. 
-hmm. and I didn't know if someone was going to catch me and mm -hmm. murder me that day. Oh my. And eventually, slowly, the numbness, you know, dissipates. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, yeah, I don't have to just rely on me, myself, and I, because mm -hmm. God found me. Yes. And God, oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. helped me through the journey because I had to build an internal vector that it was just me, myself, and I. Right. And no matter which human you depend on, they would let you down at some point. And that's the, you know, just the man. They are limited, right? Yes. So they can make mistakes. They can, you know, not be in two places at once. They could let you down at the crucial hour. There's so many explanations for it. Um. And then God took me on this journey to realize no matter what I'm going through, no matter how difficult it is. And I walked through some of my experiences, yes. you know, even when I went through miscarriage and how broken and alone I felt. And I felt like it is me, myself and I. Mm -hmm. And I saw God's hand in that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with everything else. You know, he, yeah. he showed me he was a thread in that fabric. That is beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. And uh, what a discovery to find after all the years, right? Um, God was walking with you during those frightful commutes and, and walks back and forth to school after finding that gruesome news out, you know? And, and then of course, like you said, through many years and, um, and traveling and living in different places, you've, you've come to that realization and discovery of not always having to rely on you, yourself, and I. God has been with you all along. Um, Kelly, I think throughout our conversation, we have, um, I think we made it clear for the listeners, okay, what, uh, in a nutshell, what, um, what your primary message is for these listeners, right? The primary message is in the book to, you know, Everyone do their part to transform and make change, be the change that you want to see. And, you know, we can't just visualize the change. We have to be the change and everyone, it involves everyone doing their part, you know, to love one another, to forgive one another, to uh, treat your fellow man equal, regardless of race, ethnicity, color, economic level, um, education, you know, um, to me, that sounds very, very clear in, in what you've shared in the message of your book. Um, what I'd like to know, um, knowing, you know, and, in, in, in asking you personally with your journey. Okay. Kelly Markey, can you explain to us in a sentence, what is your road to rediscovery? Well, if it's one sentence, my road to rediscovery was looking within and finding God. Mm, yes. Beautiful. Because everything else just falls into place after that, right? Exactly. Even as you know, you described the journey when I was a little girl and I had to trudge that path that was mm -hmm. so difficult. Mm -hmm. I look back and I see God took me through that because he knew what was in my future, living yes. abroad and the things that was going to come hurling my way. And because I made that extremely difficult journey as a child, everything else, no matter how difficult it, it was, it felt like it was child's play. 
Yeah, I see. I see. You know, that reminds me of a phrase that I've heard once. And um, it really reminds me of this. And, and I try to I try to live this to heart. OK, um, the phrase is. Uh, let's see. Calm seas a skilled sailor makes not. Okay. Yeah, that's profound. Yeah, it Absolutely. is profound, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, and so to me, that tells me that, you know, um, if God is walking alongside of me as I'm taking these frightful walks to and from school and so forth, and God has a purpose, a mission for me, right? Um, you know, he's never said that it's going to be easy. He's never said the road's going to be smooth, you know? Um, but he will be with you every step of the way. And that's where the faith comes in, right? Absolutely. That, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, so, so to me, um, and I, I, I speak in metaphors a lot, I apologize, but, um, you know, calm waters does not make for a skilled sailor because, you know, you have to learn how to navigate through those, um, the turbulent times, right? Absolutely. And you have to build your strength and you're not going to get your strength in the smooth sailing. No, no, that's yeah. exactly right. Exactly right. So, Kelly, how can the listeners connect with you, follow you and pick up a copy of your of your book? Yes, sure. So I am on social media and you can mm -hmm. find me on Kelly Markey, both on Insta, um, LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, I'm on Goodreads as well, Kelly Markey, okay. author. I've mm -hmm. got some amazing reviews there. Um, I have a website. If you want to purchase the book, you can purchase a signed book. I also have a journal called uh, Glean, Grow, and Glow. And they're both available on my website, which is www.kellymarkey.com. Wonderful, wonderful. We're going to have links to your social mediums and your website um, and even Goodreads on the episode show notes so the listeners can click those links as they're listening to this wonderful, just mind-altering, life-altering conversation, um, you know, and, and purchase a copy of that book. You know, this is a call to action for all the listeners, right? To Absolutely. purchase a copy of the book, Don't Just Fly, Soar, and find out the essence of that title and what it means in Kelly Markey's book. You know, and there's all sorts of anecdotes. She shared some on this show, all based on her own journey. Okay. And um, it, it's, it's, it's going to be a tremendous read and all sorts of uh, life changing lessons to be, uh, to be pulled from that. Uh, as you have given us so graciously with uh, the women in your book club, you know, um, at their age, they even found things that, you know, they could transform their lives over absolutely yeah there's a gem yeah. in it for everyone every walk of life oh that's great that's great kelly thank you so much for coming on the show i truly truly appreciate um you coming on the show i appreciate your transparency i appreciate your vulnerability in opening yourself up um all in the spirit uh, of helping others grow and all in the spirit of changing the world Thank you once again, Kelly. Thank you, Aubrey. It's been a delight. Thank you for having me on your show. I oh. really appreciate it. Well, thank you. My pleasure. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening. And look, if you have a loved one, 
a colleague, a coworker, a relative, neighbor, who just seems to be not themselves, um, falling into bad behaviors, bad habits, um, not quite sure where to turn or who to turn to, going through dark days of despair, I humbly ask that you please share this show with them. Because on the road to rediscovery, we want our listeners to know two things. Number one, you're not alone. And two, there is always hope. I'm truly grateful to have you on the road with me. Thanks again for listening. We'll chat again soon. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of The Road to Rediscovery. We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at roadsrediscoverypodcast at gmail.com and leave us any questions or comments you may have. The Road to Rediscovery is an AJ Shark production.